Our scripture reading today comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you who has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the God, word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to be with you, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you for the next nine months, uh, and hopefully getting to know all of you by name and spending time with you and encouraging you, because I would say if there's one desire I would have at the end of the nine months, so let's fast forward to May of 2023. Uh, we're saying goodbye, and uh, I get a chance to talk to some of you personally, and you, we say together, you know what, these past nine, nine months, we never knew Jesus was this good, you know. And so it's by desires we get together to lift Jesus up in a way that he becomes more beautiful and believable to you. And you're going to say at some point along the way, you're going to turn to your wife and you're going to say on the way home from church, I never knew Jesus was this good. Or your wife's going to turn and say to you that. Or your kids, now this is when you know you have revival, when your kids say to you on the way home from church, Dad, we just didn't know Jesus was this good. Now, as we start this series over the next few months, we're going to focus in on listening, uh, then we're going to talk about leaning, and then we're going to talk about loving. But for the next few weeks, we're going to be camping here in the parable of the, uh, the sower, uh, the generous sower. Uh, we're going to be looking at what it teaches us about ourselves, but more importantly, what it teaches us about Jesus. So to do that, let's just stop and pray for a moment. Uh, now, again, we're going to be focusing on listening. And one of the things I like to do before I start is to just pray for each other. So I'm going to ask you to pray for somebody near to, to you, right next to you, in front of you, behind you, that they can hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. I want you to hear Jesus' voice today. And I'm going to get somebody to pray for you that that's going to happen. So let's... Pray for a moment, so just pray quietly for somebody near you to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Now, take a moment and pray for yourself. Pray that, say, Jesus, help me to hear your voice this morning.
I'll take a moment and pray for me uh, to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, as I, even as I'm sharing with you this morning. Jesus, we pray for the people in the surrounding neighborhoods that live in this area who don't know your voice. Uh, we're here for them. Uh, we want to hear your voice so we can share your voice with them. Uh, there's a lot of folks who are waking up this morning or sitting at home very lonely, brokenhearted, defeated, and have no hope. And we want to be a church that communicates to the people around uh, about a good sower who sows seed that brings hope and doxological hope, visionary hope, powerful hope uh, that changes us when that seed takes root and begins to change us. So uh, help us this morning, Jesus, to sense that you're near. You love this church so much, so much that you would bring me here so that you would, they could see how you change somebody like me. Uh, and would give them hope. So again, Jesus, we're expectant, and we do pray this morning, give us ears to hear and change us for the Father's glory. Amen. Uh, many of you don't know that I work for the PCA and sort of a new organization that's been formed within the Presbyterian Church in America. For those of you visiting, that's our tribe, the PCA. You gotta learn your split P's. If you're gonna be a Presbyterian, they're ARPs. There's OPCs, the only perfect church. There is, you know, a bunch of Ps, but you got to learn your, but we're PC, the Presbyterian Church in America, not of America, but in America. Presbyterians are deeply concerned that you get it right, okay? So we'll talk a lot and try and get free from that as much as we can uh, while I'm here. Uh, but I'm a part of a new agricultural agency for soil testing and replenishment. So I'm really pleased this morning, I've talked with the elders and I've been able to get these rapid testing kits. And after the service, I'd like for all of you to get your ears tested. You know, the elders have learned how to swab your ear. It might take a little bit, it's not gonna hurt. Don't worry, you're not gonna be injured. Uh, but you're gonna get your ears tested this morning as you leave church. We're gonna set up tables, we're gonna swab your ear. And if you can hang around, we'll give you the results if you can't. You'll get a phone call from one of our uh, great elders here, and they're going to call you up and say, hey, we did the test, and guess what? You're in soil number one, and uh, I want to talk to you about that. So let's just talk about what you might hear this morning, because some of you don't like to get shocked, and you know, most of you, if you've done the COVID testing, you're going, is it positive or is it negative? Okay, this morning you're going to find out what kind of listener are you that reveals what your heart, where your heart is today, okay? So let's talk about, Jesus said when he, he sows the seed, there are people who hear it who have hard hearts. Um, when you read commentators, they usually say the first two soils are about people that don't know God, um, and the next two are about people who know God. I think that's weak, I think it's lame, I don't, you know, if you know yourself at all, you know what it's like to have a hard heart. Actually, the Bible says, watch out unless your hearts get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So this is really serious, though, folks. If you get the phone call today or you see that you have a hard heart, guess what? The elders have already anticipated your need. We've worked with the Barnabas Center. We've worked with Kurt and April Zydeman here locally. And they've agreed to see you for three sessions for free, okay? 
Uh, so they're going to meet with you and help you to see what's really going on. So you're going to get three free counseling sessions to figure out what's going on in here that makes it really hard for you that when you hear the Word of God, even maybe you're hearing it this morning, it bounces right off of you. It doesn't penetrate. It doesn't help you. It actually shames you, discourages you. All right, what about group two? Um, group two are the faint-hearted. They're easily discouraged, easily dismissive, easily uh, can explain away in a way that they can get out of the obligation or responsibility that God has for them. So if you're faint-hearted, this one's really serious. So we're going to ask you to quarantine for 14 days because you're contagious. And if you've got a faint heart, we're going to ask you to stay at home, come online, uh, watch. We record the service. You can watch it. But the elders are going to be reaching out to you, and uh, what they really want to do is to counsel with you and pray for total uh, healing. Now, one of the things that you get to know, Valerie and me, you'll know that we have three children. Uh, I was just talking uh, with one of you who knew about when our son Luke was born in 1980 um, here in Charlotte. And uh, so, but Luke's now going to be 42 in November, hard to believe, 42. <laughs> I have a 42-year-old son. Uh, yes, it's true. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, we have Luke and uh, his wife, Bridget. They live in Philadelphia. They have three uh, kids, James, Lila, and Maeve. Um, then our daughter, Anna, lives in Raleigh. She has two children, Rex and Emmeline. And then our youngest uh, daughter, uh, Claire, lives in um, D.C., lives in the Mount Pleasant area, if you know, Washington, D.C., with her husband, Nathaniel, and their daughter, Luca. So this week, we got a funny story from our granddaughter, Luca, which fits the faint-hearted, or it'll, it'll sort of, just trust me, just stay with the story. So Luca loves going to the swimming pool. They've gone to the local pool. It's on Monday, uh, and they're coming home Monday evening early. And uh, Luca is sitting in the back seat, and she is fussing with her dada, Nathaniel, okay? So Nathaniel turns, or says to her now, Luca, remember, what's our number one house rule? And he says, you remember, the number one house rule is you do not fuss with dada. And it gets real quiet, and Luca says, but dada, we're not at the house. <laughs> So people who are faint-hearted know how to get out of it, you know. They're just constantly, easily deflecting, funny, but they have a hard time going deeper or letting God's Word go into them deeper. So group three is the half-hearted. Um, now this one is so serious. If you're half-hearted, in other words, you're in love with the world and Jesus at the same time. Remember Jesus said, if you have two masters, one's going to lose. And guess who really loses? If you're more in love with the world, if the cares and the concerns of the world are really the thing that's consuming you, you're a consumer, versus being consumed by Jesus' great love for you, guess who loses in that conflict? Well, almost all the time, the world wins and Jesus loses. So this is really, I mean, folks, this is really serious. Now, we're going to look at this one in a couple weeks. Um, but I want to share with you that the elders have thought this uh, through. And so um, you've been assigned by a couple of elders that are going to be coming to visit with you, pray with you for miraculous healing of your heart to be free from 
this super variant of a selfish heart, a stubborn heart, a broken heart. So then how about group, group four? So group four, which we'll get to in a few weeks, are the brave-hearted people. These are people who have courage. Remember the lion and the wizard of Oz? He needed courage, okay? My mentor, uh, Jack Miller, used to say to us as young pastors, he says, my fear is that you'll lose your courage. You'll lose your confidence in who God is for you and what he can do. You're going to lose your courage. And so uh, I will be assigning those of you who are in group four that I find out about, I'm going to give you a call name, kind of like Top Gun. How many of you have seen Top Gun, the new one? Let's see. Any show of hands? All right, so you're going to have a call name. And if you want to know what your call name is, there's actually a website you can go to and fill in the information. And they'll let you take a picture of yourself, put a helmet on, and you have your call name on there. So uh, it'd be fun to figure out what Roger's call name would be, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, But uh, I did it. My call name was Deuce, okay? Um, But uh, my call name is the Iceman or Iceman. It's from the first movie. So if you get a message from me and it's signed Iceman, you know, I am reaching out to you to say we're on a mission together to bring this community into a deeper experience of Jesus where as we all test and think about where we are, we're going to find out we are fertile ground. We are ground for the good soul, uh, soil of the, of the gospel. So uh, let's talk a little bit now about the parable itself. Uh, it's something about Jesus. He's a great storyteller. Uh, two-thirds of the Bible is storytelling, so a lot of times we think about Christianity faith. It's a system of ideas or things that we agree to or believe in but it's all relational. The Bible is, first of all, imitational. It's relational, it's intentional, and it's transformational. So as God wants to move us through our hard-heartedness, our faint-heartedness, through our uh, commitment to be half-hearted, God wants to make us people who are so encouraged by the fact that God loves us enough to enter into our story now, I was just talking to Reuben about podcasts that I listened to, and there's one that I love to listen to, and, and this guy did it one on courageous questions you need to learn to ask yourself. Courageous questions you need to learn to ask yourself. So he talked about how does real change take place? So how does the Word of God, how does Jesus change us? Now, if you follow Jesus around, he, he asks great questions. He was not only letting people wrestle with what he was about and what he could do, but he was disruptive. Now, I want to give you some good news and hard news. First of all, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to really be hard. Um, Because following Jesus involves, first of all, you have to renounce yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but my default, default is I'm basically a good guy who needs a little help from Jesus. You know, so if Jesus will help me a little bit, if I can get a little love this morning, a little liver shiver while I'm here, then I'm good. This is going to be a great week, all right? Now, most of you know that is bad theology. It doesn't work that way because what Jesus says is that, he says, Clyde, you need me so much. And I want you to get in touch with how desperate you are for me. Now, Jesus, uh, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I'm a good guy. <laughs> you know, 
I mean, I, I want to help you, Jesus. I want to help North Cross Church. I want to show up here and bring people the good news of the gospel. But are you telling me that apart from you, I can't do anything? I don't know about you, but that rocks my world, okay? When the Apostle Paul said, we put no confidence in the flesh. Now, here's a cool thing to think about is, is that um, and as the church has thrived over the years, how many of you have ever heard of the discipline of self-despair? The discipline of self-despair. That's where, as in your daily walk with Jesus, there are moments where you admit, Jesus, apart from you, I cannot do this. As a matter of fact, I want to learn to pray what's called centering prayer, where I center myself on Jesus and in doing that, I kind of renounce and release myself from any confidence in myself that I can do what God wants to do in me and for me and through me without his help. So some of you know, because you've been around for a while, that one of the things, um, if, as you grow as a Christian, you learn to pray these centering prayers. Now, the famous uh, uh, brother that I love so much, Brennan Manning, he's no longer living, but his centering prayer was, Abba, Father, I belong to you. When things got hard for Brendan Manning, that's the way he would center himself. Abba, Father, I belong to you. That's a great centering prayer. Uh, I was talking to Ben that one of the great songs in City of Light is where it talks about, Jesus says in the lyrics of the song, you come to me. When you're weak, you come to me. When you're afraid, you come to me. And then it's got a couple more. And then the last line says, but when you are lost, I will come to you. I will come to you. So I'm teaching a group of people at a church on centering prayer. And one of these guys that I've known for a long time, and I mean, if ever there was a hard-hearted, bad-to-the-bone believer, <laughs> is this guy. And I'm going to tell you more of his stories as we go along. <clears throat> but... He listened, and he came up, and he's just a good old brother, a good old Bubba. He comes up to me and said, Clyde, I figured out what my centering prayer is. I go, what? well, brother, what, what is it? And he goes, he says, I'm going to start praying, Jesus, save me from my stupid self. Now, can I get a witness, anybody? Would that prayer help you <laughs> pray that prayer this week? So here's an application. When things get hard, immediately think, I can so mess this up. <laughs> I can so mess this up without Jesus' help. And I will mess it up. <clears throat> but there's so much freedom in praying, Jesus, save me from my stupid self. Now, when Jesus' word begins to penetrate into us, when we become good soil, we become desperate, we become hungry for him to show himself to us in a way that we can enter into the truth of what he wants for us. So <clears throat> this morning, I want to just share with you a few thoughts about being hard-hearted and what happens to us. I've already mentioned the fact that um, the writer of the Hebrews says this, Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be any one of you an unbel evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now notice what the writer of he Hebrews says. It's possible for you as a follower of Jesus to let yourself slip away from your relationship with him, that your heart becomes evil, unbelieving, and your heart becomes hard. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, 
that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Some of you will know the old country preacher, Vance Havner. He's from another generation of revival preachers in North Carolina. But he had this great line. He says, here's what sin does to you. First of all, it blinds you, it binds you, and it grinds you. When your heart's hardened, you're living in denial. Because you know what Jesus says here? The, what you're really blind to is that you have a deceiver. We're in a spiritual war constantly against our soul by the forces that are evil. We just prayed, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Uh, one of the guys that I really love, that I follow a lot, and I have a real heart for men's ministry, but guys, listen to what he talks about. He said, when you begin to understand that when, from the time you were a little boy, there was an adversary who brought about a brutal assault against your heart because he knew what you would become like if you really believe Jesus is who he is. Brothers, the enemy not only doesn't like you, he hates you, but he's afraid of you. And he's afraid of you, and so what is he going to go after? He's going to go after your heart. And if he gets inside of your heart with things like this, you know, you're such a phony. Why are you in church here this morning? You're such a poser. You're saying that you want to pray, you want to sing, your wife dragged you to church, and you sort of came along because there's something in that for you because you came to church. Uh... But you know there's something going on inside of you that doubts and dismisses the truth that Jesus says, you are a beloved son. You're not an orphan, you're a son. And it even gets better than this. He says, Jesus really wants to be with you. He wants to sow into your life beauty and grace and mercy. If you haven't discovered the podcast uh, Being Known uh, by Kurt Thompson, it is a amazing, really good season five that just started. He's working through the book on the soul of shame. Now, it's one thing for all of us to confess, uh, you know, we're guilty of this or that. But there's a deeper level, and I almost thought about in liturgy, we ought to have a time where we confess our sin. <laughs> you know, like I confess that Valerie and I talked about something driving over here this morning from Winston-Salem, and I had to confess to God, she was right when she called me out on something where I have not loved her well. She's called me out. But what would it look like if we took it to another level of how shame has affected us? How shame has affected us because you have your individual acts of rebellion, disobedience, but what if you live in a belief system that there's something fundamentally wrong with me? There's something really wrong with me. Uh, I'm hopelessly incurable because of what I see myself becoming and being. And you've got an adversary saying, see, I told you, <laughs> you're not a Christian. You're, you know, you're a big-time phony. I, have you, you know, now look, think about Jesus. He's launching his ministry after 30 years of waiting. He gets baptized. The Father says to him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice what the Father says, listen to him. That's why we want to listen to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit immediately leads Jesus into the wilderness where the enemy comes after him and says, 
are you, if you're the son of God, then why don't you do this? Um, the enemy's tactics really haven't changed much. Has God said that if you do that, you'll die? Uh, really? The enemy is constantly assaulting your heart. Now, in that podcast, Being Known, which uh, the guy, Pepper Sweeney, interviews Kurt Thompson, who is one of the most amazing guys I've ever sat under his teaching. My spiritual director said he is the most integrated man he's ever been around. Because uh, if you listen to Kurt Thompson, he's going to say stuff like this. Jesus reveals his beauty to you in a way that his beauty is coming for you. But he says, I've lived a lot of my life thinking nobody's going to come for me. Now, he's a Ph.D. clinical uh, therapist uh, and uh, psychologist, and he is he's just an amazing guy. But he'll be talking about his relationship with God, and he'll get choked up with tears about his brokenness, his sadness. He'll be talking about the people he's worked with, <coughs> and he'll be very honest. He said, you know, when this person told me their story and what had happened to them, I wanted to go get their friend and beat him up. <laughs> this is a Christian therapist, you know, saying this kind of stuff. But he and Pe- Pepper started talking using this word, brutal, okay? This new word for you in your vocabulary, we'll start using it here at North Cross. How is the gospel brutal? Well, it's brutal from the standpoint of Jesus enters into our brokenness and experiences the consequences of our sin, and he brutally suffers and dies for us. That's brutal. But what's beautiful is that what comes out of that. Because, you see, Jesus is the sower who sowed the seed in such a way, he sowed the seed, that he would become the ground, that the seed would enter into his story so that he would be willing to renounce himself, humble himself, become obedient to the point of death, that he would suffer intensely for you and me and then die in our place. A brutal death. Now that's death. That's a brutal story, isn't it? Jesus went through that for us so that you and I can talk about our story where there's brutality. Uh, I can t- I'll tell you more of my stories along the way. But Pepper told a story in this last Being Known podcast where he said he was never a very good athlete. He was on his middle school team, and they're talking about shame. And he said the coach's son, who was younger, could play up because he was so good. They go undefeated their whole se- season. They go into the tournament um, the, the son, the coach's son, goes up for a layup and misses it, and they lose the game that knocks them out of the tournament. The other coach calls a timeout. The other team comes to the comes to the bench, and uh, and Pepper's saying, and the dad walked up to his son and slaps him in the face because he missed the layup. Johnny Cash, brother died. Um, and uh, he was the star, he was the apple of his mother's eye, and uh, he wanted to be a gospel preacher when he was a young boy. They were out working, he was in a tragic accident, and he died. And Johnny Cash watched his mother grieve deeply, and he would say to her, Mama, I I, want to become a gospel singer, because the young son had said, I want to be a gospel preacher. So Johnny Cash is trying to help his mom out with her grief, 
But his dad was a very hard man. And whenever Johnny was just being rebellious or whatever, uh, <coughs> his dad would say to him, I wish you hadn't died, not your brother. Now, do you think that did something on Johnny Cash's soul? Do you think that affected him in a way that it made it really hard for him to believe that God loved him as much as he said? If you listen to Cash's gospel hymns, he had a TV show that every show in the people in the networks didn't want this, but he ended every one of his TV shows with a gospel hymn, gospel choir. He he wanted the gospel to come out. That's brutal, isn't it? (laughs) You look at his story, you know a little bit about what he did, what happened, the mistakes he made. But Johnny Cash saw his need for grace. And when the seed of God, the word of God is sowing, and you become fertile for ground, you show up here on Sunday, and your heart desire is, tell me more about Jesus. Teach me more of the gospel. It's not old news, yesterday's news. Jesus didn't say, I came that you might have life and have it redundantly. <laughs> you, know? you know? For a lot of Christians, it's like, <sighs> and, you know, can we talk about the Panthers? <laughs> you know? Can we talk about the preseason? Who's going to be quarterback? Man, I can get excited about that. But, well, could we talk about John 3.16? For God so loved me. That's what I want to talk about. So I recently had hip surgery uh, on my left hip. I've already had my right one. I've got a left hip, so it's going to be scary, folks. i got two new hips, and I'm ready to fly. So here we go. But um, my surgeon, who is a dear guy, who came to church when we were in Winston-Salem at Redeemer. And uh, he was a young guy. He grew up in a lot of legalism. And so Christianity was about, you know, being as good as you could, keeping the rules, not making mistakes. And here I am up there preaching about the grace of God, that Jesus doesn't love you less when you sin. He actually loves you more. (laughs) And I'm talking about grace, and we're talking about crazy good unbelievable and most of you are here because you've heard about the love of jesus for sinners and you're going tell me more and so recently july 5th i had my surgery comes in the next day he's a great guy and i reminded him that after i had my first hip replaced in 2016 uh, i was in uh, his office after the surgery and i went in to say David, I just want you to know what I think about you, how much I appreciate your skill and your ability. He says, fine. People tell me how good I am as a surgeon, but can we talk about the fact that our names are written in the book of life? And I go, wow. (laughs) He said, can we talk about that? I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm just blown away that my name is written on his hands, it's written in a book. Could we talk about that? I mean, this is a guy, premier knee hip guy in the whole Southeast. And I go, sure, we can talk about that. And he said, you know what else I've discovered? Now, this is, this is scary for a preacher to hear this. But he says, I'm, enjoy, I'm learning about the thrill of being generous and tithing. Can we talk about tithing? And of course, as a preacher, I'm saying, yes, sir, let's talk about tithing, you know. I've got the envelopes right here. You can make the check out, too, whatever. But can Are you tasting that? Is your heart in good soil so that what thrills you the most is talking with your kids, with your spouse, with your friends about Jesus' love for us? 
and how the good shepherd became the lamb, how the sower became the soil. Because listen to what Jesus says. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But it's incredibly good news here this morning for all of us that the Son, Jesus, fought off the temptation. He was the Son who kept the law perfectly, joyfully. He was obedient. He was the perfect Son for you and me. He's kept it for us. We get his record for that. But he also gives us the gift. He becomes the perfect sacrifice for you, my friends. So here's a, here's a test question to ask you about the condition of your heart hearing Jesus. Do you know the present value of the blood of Christ? We sang about it early. Is the blood of Christ powerful? Uh, nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? What can make me right again? Does that resonate? Does that kind of kind of set your heart going? Boom. Wow, thank you, Father. Yeah, what we sang earlier is true. Jesus, by your blood, you've forgiven me for all my sins, past, present, future. Uh, it's been my joy and my journey to watch the most difficult, hard-hearted people be broken by the love of their Savior for them in a way that the brutal news, the good news of the gospel, changes them. They're different. Um, there's a fellow right down the road who's a really dear friend of mine. I met him when he was in medical school. I mean, he was a rogue, hard-hearted. He came to know Christ. He practices medicine in Statesville. And we were talking about this parable, and he told me, you know, Clyde, when I first became a Christian, I knew uh, that I needed to read the Bible. So he didn't have a Bible. He went into his roommate's room, pulled the Bible off the shelf, and did one of these things. He just flipped it open. And the thing that was right in front of him was the parable of the soil, sower. And he said, Clyde, the first prayer that I prayed was, Jesus, make me good soil for the seed of what you've done. Because he was so overwhelmed by Jesus' love for him. Now, if you'd known him before and who he is now, and he was telling me uh, this past week, he said, you know, Clyde, at my practice, you know, the nurses will come get me or the PAs will come get me and say, you know, uh, <coughs> Tony's still in the room. And Perry says, well, I, I finished with him. I, we did all the notes. We went, he's waiting for you to come back and pray with him. How many of you meet with your physicians or people in medicine who... Before you leave, they pray for you. How can I pray for you today? And Perry was telling me that that happens a lot, where people say, hey, we're not done here, Perry, until you pray for me. Until you pray for me. Well, I want to give you incredibly good news here this morning. Jesus is interceding for you, even now. In Hebrews it says, he is able to save completely those who belong to him. And this morning, do you know the sower? Do you know the Savior? Do you want to hear Jesus praying for you this morning? He's here. Jesus is pursuing you because you've lived way too long with a heart that's hardened by the deception of the sin, but you need to break free from the adversary's lie that you don't belong here. This table tells you you belong here. God's Word tells you you belong here. I'd love to tell you that you belong here so that you might taste and see the joy, the love that will not let us go. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to dive in, and we pray that you'd help us now, even as we respond and worship, to get our hearts ready to come to the table. Amen.